I would like to just use this opportunity to thank every person that forward links of my website to your friends and to people that need to hear the gospel. Thank you so much for doing that. It's wonderful to see the fruit of the gospel in your life. I want to um, say what Paul said. I was not seeking, um, I can say, publicity. But I, what I'm seeking is to see the gospel of grace bearing its fruit in your life. And I can see that. Thank you so much. We've got such great growth in our website. I mean, we've got about, I think it must be thirty to 40,000 messages being downloaded per month from our website from 75 to 80 nations all over the world. And we're just getting more and more feedback on people being touched. Thank you so much for forwarding the stuff I put on Facebook. If you're a Facebook friend, thank you so much for forwarding these links. We get calls from people all over the world, emails from everywhere, people being touched, lives really being impacted um, by the gospel of grace. Thank you so much for that. In today's message, I'm going to be speaking about fruit bearing. I know this is Mother's Day. I also, um, I've got a special um, uh, message in the beginning for mothers, uh, but I was thinking of talking about bearing fruit. How does fruit bearing work? What have we been saved unto? We must realize that we've been taken from the kingdom of darkness and we've been placed in the kingdom of light. And in the kingdom of light, there's new effects, there's new life, there's a new way of living, which is natural and not forced. So enjoy this message, and at the end of the message, I've got another message for you. God bless. Okay, I want to say welcome to everybody that's watching via the internet. It's wonderful to have you in this service with us. I, um, I trust you're going to be blessed by the message today. Today, uh, I'm going to continue uh, where I left off last Sunday, speaking about the manifestation of life of Christ Jesus in our lives. Amen. So... Um, you know, as I was, this is Mother's Day, and before the service I just uh, spoke a little bit to the mothers, but I want to just speak to the people um, over, the, over the web. And I want to just say to every mother, uh, we just honor you uh, for, for who you are. Um, you know, in this day I want to just tell all the mothers that you are special to us, to my mother. If you're watching, I want to, I want to just say I honor you for, uh, for who you are and what you've taught me in life. Um, you're precious to me, and uh, I believe every child feels that way in his heart. If you're a mother today, maybe you don't know where your kids are today. Um, uh, some terrible things might have happened to them, or uh, you're going through a hard time today. I want to just encourage you and say to you that you are special, and God honors you. Hallelujah. You know, it's wonderful. And, that, and God honors parents in this way, and He honors mothers in this way. That The Bible says that it's a it's cursed to curse your mother and to speak bad about your mother. For God knows what it is to be a parent and to give birth to somebody and to care for. And we want to just thank you and honor you for your care for all of us. God bless you today. And I trust that this day will be a blessed day when you will be reminded of God's unconditional love, mercy, and grace for you. Amen. <clears throat> right. We're going to get into the word uh, that I've got for today. Um, you know, there's so many things that's just in my heart concerning the manifestation of God's life in our lives. Um, you know, when we declare Jesus as our Lord, it is not uh, just saying, well, 
Jesus is Lord. It is actually acknowledging that Jesus Christ served you with his life. <clears throat> now, when he served us with his life, we are actually saying that the life that he served us with, we acknowledge that that life rules over our lives. In other words, we stand under the rulership, and um, even if you want to call it dictatorship, although it's not like that, but j just for, our, for us to understand, we are under the rulership of righteousness. We are under the rulership and the rule where the resurrection power of Christ dictates to our will and our emotion and our mind what to think and do. It is not the law system where we had the law, and I'm going to try and explain this today. We, we are busy in a series of, of what have we been saved from and what, we, what are we saved unto. Okay, when we were under the law, the flesh used the law, the flesh used the law to manifest its sin in our lives. That's what the Bible says. So we were under the rulership of condemnation, and we stood under the condemnation. That word condemnation is the Greek word verdict. The verdict of the law system. The verdict that the law had was to point out your inability. So if you stand under the rulership or the lordship of the law, he's got a verdict to exercise an authority over you, and that authority is to point out your inability and your sin, to make you weak. Amen. To get the flesh to manifest in your life, to see death come forth. That's why the law is called the ministration of death. But when we declare Jesus as our Lord, we are declaring that his, we are under His administration, we are under His rulership, and as when we were under the law, it brought forth the sinful nature in the same way as we are under the rulership of Christ, Christ brings forth His nature in us. Under the law system, it looks and sounds the same, but it's not the same. Under the law, we look at the life of Christ or at a law, and we try to copy that. But we cannot copy that. Otherwise, like I said so many times, we will just be an imitation. We're not the real thing. The Christian life is not a life of imitation. It's a life of birth. Meaning, Christ, Christ gives birth to the new life in you. It's like, my, like I testified before the service. My son was uh, uh, very, very ill. And when I laid hands on him and prayed for him and applied the, 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 the Scripture and the Word of God to his life, I didn't heal him. But Christ, the Holy Spirit, came and manifested what is true about Him in His life. When we apply the law, the power of showing you your inability is evident in your life. And willpower is not stronger than that power. Let me show, and I want you to, to hear this. If you are under the law, doesn't matter how hard you want to do good, you will not get it right. For you are under the lordship of somebody who's got a, 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 a verdict. He's got, a, he's, he's got an authority and a right to point out your inability, which is greater than your will. It's like somebody that has committed a crime and doesn't want to go to jail. 
His will has got no issue. <laughs> we don't care what He wants. It's what the government says. So if you rape somebody and the government catches you and you are found guilty, they've got a paper, a warrant for your arrest or whatever, or they've got something that says, this is the verdict, what should happen to him because of the crime he committed. And then the power of the government will make you do things you don't want to do. Romans 7, Paul says, when I'm under the law, what I don't want to do, that I do, for I'm under a rulership that manifests death in my life. But when we get under Christ, we are under the rulership of Christ. Meaning this, that when we believe in what He's done, then He will take by the authority of His kingdom by the power of His resurrection, and He will manifest His life in you. Glory to God, man. That is the good news. It is not you trying to copy God. It's not you trying to use willpower to get free from sin. It is us believing something else, resting our minds in the integrity of God, having our hearts persuaded of what He really did, what He ended, and what He brought forth. And as we are persuaded of that, He manifests His life in us. Glory to God. You don't have to go through ten steps in how to get free from alcohol, or cigarettes, or manipulation, or control, or whatever. I want to just say this, you know, for those who watch via the web. If I use alcohol or cigarettes or anything like that as an example, I'm not saying if you drink, you're a sinner. If you smoke, you're a sinner. What I'm saying is, if you don't want to do that, you are free to stop. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not, I'm not judging any man on what he does. I'm just saying that there are things in our lives that we would love to stop, but we can't. If we, If you cannot stop that... All that I'm challenging you to do is get a greater persuasion of what happened on the cross and the power of His resurrection. That's what Ephesians says. He says that the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ works in us who believe, meaning He raises us up unto a new life. The focus is not us. The focus is Jesus. And He raises us up unto a new life. Glory to God. And when I feel that new life rising in my heart, I'm not going to try to use uh, uh, something to suppress it. I will just say, Lord, you give birth to this. Like when my son was uh, ill. I didn't, you know, you, you had all the kind of fears and stuff that comes to your mind. But when I saw him like that, I said, well, I'm going to apply the scripture. I'm going to apply what God has said to my heart. You know, I didn't say there, well, God, I hope you heal him one day. What happened in my heart, I knew that God said that he has already carried the sickness. He's already carried the sickness. He's already carried the disease. He's already done all of those things. You know, he, he, he's, not a, um, he's not a God that says, well, I will do it one day. I have done it for you. Now, what stops that thing of flowing there? All that needs to happen is I need to persuade my heart of what has already happened. It's not God that will do it. God has done it. 
The Bible says the force that drives your life flows from your belief. That's why Paul was so, I, I mean, he, he, I, I don't think the client can do it. I don't know what in English to say. And you must the right thing You need to believe the right thing. Why? Because from your heart will flow the force that drives your life. What will drive your life? The force of death or the force of life? The force of life is the resurrection power of Christ manifesting who Jesus is today in your life. The force of death is being condemned and judged by the law. That will drive your life. Hallelujah. Amen. If you guys want to move out of the sun, you're more than welcome. Okay, see, as you're there, we're going to sit. We're not going to sit in ongemakkelijk wie see. Amen. We, we need to put some curtains up there. Right, okay, so, so, so I, I just feel we need to understand that principle, the manifestation of Christ's life. I mean, we've been living with fear for how many years? We've been living with destruction, condemnation, all those things for so many years. And Jesus Christ came to set us free. Hallelujah. Let's open the Bible in Romans 1. <coughs> Romans 1. I think this is also a good message for Mother's Day, talking about the birth of the new life in us. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 1, <clears throat> from verse 16. So well, I'm, I'm going to touch on some well-known verses and just explain it a little bit more. Okay, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. I want to change the word belief there. L listen to it this way. I am not ashamed, I, Paul, am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. For this good news is the power of God unto salvation or the manifestation of Christ's life to everyone that rests his mind in what Christ has done. Okay. So it says, everyone that believes will experience the manifestation of Christ's life in us. The fruit of that is mentioned in Galatians 5. It is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, temperance, meekness, faith. That's what it is called. That will manifest in us as we rest our minds in His integrity. Now, for you to rest your mind, and I've said it so many times, you cannot decide to rest your mind. You need to hear information that brings your mind to rest. Okay? So you cannot come and say, well, you know, I'm stressed out, and I'm going to try and rest my mind in God. I'm going to try to rest my mind in the cross. No, no, you'll just make yourself tired. What you do is, you just take the good news gospel and listen to it until the gospel brings your mind to rest. And as your mind is at that rest, which was brought by the gospel, you'll find the power of what is preached manifesting the life that's of Christ in you. And that gives you a life of absolute victory in every area of your life. Hallelujah. Why do we, I mean, under the law, we were under the dictatorship of the law and the flesh. Mankind, all of man was like that. Adam sold man into that. Where man forever had a struggle to find 
peace in his heart. Christ comes, removes mankind from the dictatorship of the law, puts us under his, his family of love, and now we willfully go, live in deception, thinking we're under dictatorship, willfully by our will take a, a dead ruler over us, and we find its fruit manifesting in our life. That is unfair towards every man. It's an unrighteous thing towards every man. It's not supposed to be so. That's why we preach the gospel. I want to just say this, and, and, and this is more for the people over the web. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, <clears throat> uh, uh, Christ in us the hope of glory. Okay? The, uh, it says the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations has been revealed. Christ in us the hope of glory. Now, if you read the whole piece there, it doesn't actually say Christ in us is the mystery revealed. Because there's a gospel, there's, there's a doctrine going around saying Christ is in every man. And that this has just been hidden for ages and generations and now God comes and He reveals Christ is already in every man. How could Christ be in every man if the Bible says that the Gentiles were alienated from God without God lost in the world? If Christ was already in every man. If Jesus was born as a human being 2,000 years ago, how could He have already been living in people from Adam that has already sinned, and now He only reveals it? That, 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 man, that is so twisted you can't even think about it. It's just simply not true. The mystery that has been revealed, if you read Ephesians 3 verse 6, the mystery that has been revealed is that Jesus didn't only come for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. That has been hidden for ages and generations. That's the mystery. I'm going to read it in Ephesians. I'm not going to read it now. But the true mystery that has been hidden was, and this is what Paul talks about in, in Romans 1, 16 and 17. He preaches to Jew and Gentile. That was a mystery. That was something the Jews did not know. Jesus said, go and preach only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then Paul came. God revealed a mystery that Jesus knew then but didn't tell the people. And he revealed to them and said to them, this Jesus, this Messiah, was not only the Messiah for the Jews, but he was also the Messiah for the Gentiles. And he made one new kind of a man, neither a Jew, neither a Gentile, a new kind of a man, the man that is now justified by faith. He brought forth, gave birth to such a kind of a man in his death and resurrection. Amen. So the mystery was God would give a Messiah for all people, not just for the Jews. That was hidden for ages and generations from the Jews. Okay, that's the mystery. And just for those of you that study it out, that want to fall into this ultimate salvation thing don't fall into that you'll deceive many <clears throat> this is what it says right for listen to this talks about the gospel for therein is the righteousness of god revealed from faith to faith as it's written the just shall live or see life by faith for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, what does he say here? He says, the gospel of Jesus Christ believed. The, the, the righteousness of God manifests through us believing what Jesus Christ has done. So what do we need to believe? We need to believe 
that we are innocent before God. We need to believe that God doesn't judge us by our works. We need to believe that when He died, the law man died forevermore. We need to believe that when He was raised up, we were raised up with Him in a new kind of a man. As we rest our minds in that reality, the Bible says, the righteousness of God. That word righteousness there, one of the meanings, there's many meanings for the word righteousness, one of the meanings there is the equitable deed. The good thing that God did in Christ is manifested in us. Hallelujah. We don't want to see what we, the good thing we do manifest in our lives. We want to see the good thing that God did in Christ manifesting in our lives. I want to just say this. In the series of preaching about what we have been saved unto, as, I was preach, as I'm preaching this and studying this out in the week, I feel such a power to win the lost man. I feel such a power to be a giver. I feel such a power to lay hands on the sick. I, I experience something that I didn't decide to do. I experience something happening to me. Why? Because our focus and our mind is what Christ has saved me from and what He saved me unto. I have been delivered from being weak and powerless. I've been delivered from the dictatorship of the law. Hallelujah. And that which I, and this is what Paul says in Galatians 5. I don't have time now to go into that. Galatians 5 says, when you're under the law, you cannot do what you want. But when we're under grace, we can do what we want. For He works in us, both to will and to do. So it's not us deciding to do this. I want to tell you now, this is something that happens to you. You cannot, you don't believe four things. You believe in what has happened. The word faith, you know the faith teachers always taught us, now faith is. Meaning, you now faith for something. That is not what faith is. Faith is a persuasion. A persuasion comes through an argument. The Bible says faith comes by the word or the argument, the gospel of Jesus. The gospel is history, my friend. So faith is not directed towards the future, but to the past. Faith is directed to the past. I'm persuaded of what has happened the man, Bertie Brits, or whoever you are, that stood under the dictatorship of the law, that had a mandate to manifest death in you, uh, that man has died. Now you might say, Bert, you've said this so many times. I want to tell you, we say this, and we, 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 we hear the word of God about this, until we just see this full persuasion manifesting in us. We don't want to hear anything else. Faith comes by hearing God's word, God's logic. What's God's logic? What's logical when it comes to you? What's God's logic about your life? You are not under the law. You're under Him. Amen. Now, I want to say this as well. This might sound like law, but it's not. Jesus said He is the way. Meaning, if, if something is the way, you need to walk on that way. It doesn't mean you've arrived. It means that is the way. So the Jesus is the way unto salvation. So if you want to experience salvation, you need to walk the Jesus path. Walking the Jesus path is not trying to live holy. It's not trying to give more money. It's not trying to heal the sick and do good things. 
walking on the path Jesus provided is believing that who Jesus who you are. Then you are making use of the way He gave unto a holy life. The, wa- the way He gave was, my life is your life. Are you using that way or what way are we using unto a, a greater life? What way are we using unto prosperity? Our giving or are we using the way called Jesus? The way unto life. Amen. Right. Let's quickly go to uh, Colossians. <clears throat> Colossians 1. Colossians 1 verse uh, 6. Talking about the manifestation of life. <clears throat> you know, I remember years ago that uh, uh, when I would pray for the sick, you know, when I was under the law, when I would lay hands on the sick and they would get healed, I would feel, man... At least God anointed me. Actually, Boyke, you know. I've got some anointing. God confirms what I've just preached by the miracles I've done. So, what I preach is right. No, no, no. God doesn't confirm the rubbish a lot of preachers preach by miracles. God confirms His Word by miracles. His Word is that He healed mankind from the law. That's His Word. That He carried our sickness and our disease. That's his word. And if a sick person gets healed, it's not a confirmation of the wrong teaching that just went out. It's just a confirmation of the word that Jesus heals the sick. I can't come and preach. I've seen people preach funny things, you know. I've seen a guy preach the calendar. January, February, March. And then people fall over under the power. You know, and sick people would get healed. And then he says, God confirms his ministry. No, no, God does not confirm that rubbish. God confirmed there that Jesus Christ is the healer even in the midst of an idiot. (laughs) Amen. That's it. Now, that's radical. But I tell you, that is true. So when I, I sat with that, oh well, at least God anointed me. And then if I would pray for somebody and wouldn't get healed, I would say, oh God, what's wrong with me? Whatever. No, no. We don't live like that. That's why the Bible says in Roman, uh, First Corinthians, it says there, if, or I think it's Romans, it says there, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Neither poverty, nakedness, sword, peril, nothing. No definition of success, if I don't have that, worldly success, if I don't have that, can tell me that I've been separated from God. So if, even if I'm poor, even if I'm sick, even if I don't have anything manifesting in my life, that's not the proof that I've been separated from God. For the proof of who I am is God incarnated in human flesh. Amen. And all we do is, we listen to that gospel... That gospel brings forth the persuasion. You don't even try and persuade yourself. The gospel persuades you as you listen to it. As you get persuaded by the gospel, you find the the spirit of the gospel bring forth the truth of the gospel in your life. Our work is to rest. Galatians, uh, uh, Romans clearly says, He that believes has ceased from his works. So believing and work doesn't go together. Once you believe, you rest, and then God works. Or I want to put it this way, the work of God, which He has done, manifests in your life. So how can we say grace is a license to sin? It's impossible. 
Listen to this verse from Colossians 1. It says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. This word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and this word of the gospel brings forth fruit, as it does also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. So when does the word of the gospel bring forth fruit? Now, you know, we've always said we must bear fruit. Now, if you say you must bear fruit, that's a problem. The, the idea, and I know the Bible says in John that the, the will of God is that we will bear much fruit. But the context is that we will be plugged into the vine so that we can bear much fruit. How? By the vine bearing its fruit in us. It's not us bearing fruit. It's the vine bearing its fruit in us. Because we connect it into the vine. And this is what he says here, that the gospel was bearing its fruit in us. So God actually, and this is, this is the way I believe it, God commanded Jesus, Adam, the last Adam, to be fruitful and multiply. Didn't command us to try and bear God's fruit. He commanded Jesus to bear His fruit. He commanded Jesus to multiply Himself. He commanded Jesus to go and bear fruit. For that command was given to Adam. Then the last Adam came and he had to be fruitful and multiply. And his seed is called the Word. And when his seed enters the egg, if you want to pull it that way, your spirit, by belief, it germinates, or it, I mean, it, 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 that and it gets forth something that looks like the seed, or the father of the seed. It brings it forth. So that is exactly what it says here. It says, since the day you heard and knew the grace of God, then the gospel was bearing its fruit in you. I want to use another way of saying this. Since the day you heard the law, and in what it was, in truth, since the day you understood the law, and tried to live by the law, it was bearing forth its fruit in you called death. So it was not you trying to destroy your life. You were under the dictatorship, under the rulership of something that bears its fruit in you. When the Bible comes and it talks about Christ and the church, Christ is the man, we the lady. And He bears His fruit in us. When it comes to the law, Romans 7 Clearly Paul comes and he says, we are the woman, the law is the man. So whose fruit is this death then? It's not my fruit. Paul clearly says there, it's not I who sin, but it is the sin in me that sins. But I can be, I can be divorced from this husband by believing something else about my life. As I believe something else about my life, this new husband as I'm intimate with Him, bears His fruit in me. Amen? It's like uh, my, my sons here. I will say they are my fruit. But Elena will also say it's her fruit. Isn't it? The truth is, I, I'm the husband, 
And this is the way in tradition we've seen it. This is the fruit. This is my fruit. This is my fruit. Even in the old, you can have more than one wife. You'll have fruit with this wife. You'll have fruit with that one. You'll have fruit with that one. It's your fruit. So these are my sons. Although she did bear them, although she gave birth to them, it's my fruit. And now she gets the benefit of saying it is her fruit also. So, when we see the gospel, when we hear the gospel, the Bible says, when our minds go to rest in the reality that we are not under the law, in the reality that Christ Jesus, who He is, is who we are, when we get, I, I want to put it this way, when we get intimate with the word of who He is, is who I am, and we become one with it, one flesh, that's when a man and woman come together, they'll become one flesh. When you can become one in flesh with Christ in your belief, you'll find that He will impregnate you with His life. And you will find as easy as what it is for a child to, after the, 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 uh, um, after the woman became pregnant, for that child to grow and be born, that's how easy it is to see the life of God manifest in you. Glory to God. It's not us trying 10 steps anymore. Now, Beth, you say you're explaining this whole uh, the system of how it works. Yes, this is how it works, so that we can just understand how it works. But what we need to do is simply hear the gospel. The fact that you know, I, I mean, I like engineering kind of, kind of a way of thinking. The fact that I know how an engine works is not what makes it work. Amen. My sister, yes, yeah, she, she knows underground water and all those kind of things. The fact that she knows it doesn't make the water come forth when they drill. In the same way, you don't even need to understand all these things for it to work. The only thing you need to do is hear the unconditional love of God. and Hear it until you find a persuasion in your heart. Amen. That's it. And as, you, and as that happens, all the things I've explained will happen naturally. The reason why I explain this is for us to understand because we've been so indoctrinated with the law system that even the Apostle Paul had to explain these things in this depth so that the people can know how it works because as a human being, you don't want to go into something unless you understand it. Amen. So as we understand this, we will find that power. Now, it says here, since you heard and knew the grace of God and truth, the gospel was bearing its fruit. Let's read that verse again, verse 6. Yes. Yeah. Just it naturally grows in your persuasion. What she was asking is that fruit is in us. How will it be? How will it manifest? What must I do for that fruit to manifest? Nothing. You continue to hear the gospel, the, and you continue to stay in that persuasion. That's how it works. You just stay in that persuasion. Then the gospel bears its fruit. If you want to, the Bible talks about uh, um, the work of faith and the labor of love. If you want to call any work that you do, the work that you do is to sit at the feet of Jesus where He teaches you who you are. That's the hardest work that you're allowed to do. Amen. And that will have its effect in you. I can promise you it will have a great effect. 
Thank you, Jesus. Let's read that again. It says, um, verse 5, For the hope which is laid up... Oh, let's read from, from verse 3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your persuasion or faith in Christ Jesus and of your love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So they heard a word of the truth of the gospel, of a hope that's laid up for them, which is immortality and the return of Christ, okay, which is come unto you as this, as it is in all the world, this gospel, and it brings forth fruit, this gospel, as it does also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Now, the word grace <clears throat> in the Greek means the following. There are many different definitions for this that, that I hear people preach, but take the, if you want to go and study this, if you like studying yourself, take the, the, the Strong's Concordance, Type in the word grace and you'll find this is the meaning. It is. It says there, especially the divine or godly influence upon the belief or the heart of a man and its manifestation in this life, including gratitude. Okay, so what is grace? Grace is that which Christ has done which influences your belief to the point, okay, which influences your belief and Him manifesting that truth in your life. Grace is not God influencing your belief to do. No, no. Grace is God influences your belief and He does. That's what's called the fruit of the Spirit. So I can't say, well, you know, I'm bearing fruit. Look how full of long-suffering and kindness and whatever. No, no, no. The moment you say, I'm bearing fruit, the question is, who did you sleep with? Whose fruit? When we get into the gospel of grace, then Christ bears His fruit in us. Amen. Through simple intimacy with Him. And, and I, I just think what we need to have, and, and this is, this is, I think this is where the trouble comes in, is after we've heard the gospel of grace, if we don't see fruit the very first day, then people say, oh, it doesn't work. Because under willpower, you can see fruit the same day. Because you decide and you do today. You go to a church there, they preach to you, listen man, you need to get rid of, of a poverty mentality, God wants to prosper you, and the way unto that is you give today, and you do it now. Then you use your willpower, and you give right there, and as you give right there, then you go out and you say, well, that word works. Isn't it? Or you hear a message on something like, um, you need to be patient. Now you decide to be patient right now. And you think that word bears great fruit. It does because it's by willpower. But the Bible says if a seed is sown, I say opkom, if it comes up, it's first this stage, then that stage, and then the fruit. So we should not be discouraged if we hear the gospel of grace and don't find all the fruit manifesting the first day. We know by just looking at nature, and that's what, what the Apostle Paul also explained there. He says it's first, uh, I, don't, I don't know the, the right words for it. Here's a true claim, Planky, dan sien die blaar, dan sien die aar, en dan sien die saad. 
Amen. That's how it works. So in the same way, I realized in my life, the first thing that happened to me, I heard the gospel of how much God loves me. Oh, glory to God. Then I heard, the, the next thing in my life was, how I don't have to do anything to please God. Glory to God, that's the next, next thing. And then I found in my heart was growing a desire, you know, to win the lost in this gospel. To pray for the sick, to do this. To, where, there was a time when I just decided, I'm leaving all of those things. Because it was all law-born to a certain degree. You don't want that. You want the fruit of God. And you find the first thing, the second thing, and then God bears His fruit in us. And I want to tell you, don't be discouraged if you don't see it the first day. I've seen people, they come to uh, uh, Grace Churches, they listen, listen to it. I've had people come to my house, visiting me, telling me things. I mean, phoning me, telling me, listen man, you know, I come to the Grace Church, but I can see in his heart is, he wants something must now happen now. You know, and then go to a law place, just to get that thing manifesting now. No! You're going to just kill yourself there, you just went backwards. You stay in this message. Until this message brings forth its fruit. Now I want to tell you, and I said last time, last time, God's life is everlasting life. So when you've believed this, that life that comes forth is not a seasonal thing. It's not, well, I'll be free for the next week. No, no, no. As you stay in the gospel of grace, the fruit it bears is everlasting life. You'll be free forever. Hallelujah. You'll be free forever. Thank you, Jesus. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to end off with, um, you know, there's so many verses on this. As we understand this, for those of you that like to study the Bible as well, as you understand this, you understand all the verses where Paul says, do this good thing, do this good thing, don't do this, do this, and whatever, which sounds like law. What it was actually teaching people was who they are, not what they must do. It was teaching them who they are. Paul comes, he tells people that are in sin, he tells them, listen, I want to say this to you. He, he preaches to the church, he says to them, listen, those that don't have a father, they do these things. Those that do have a father, this is how they live. You do have a father. You know? Those that don't inherit the kingdom, he preaches to Christians, he says, those that don't inherit the kingdom of God, they do these things. Those that do inherit the kingdom of God, which are you, they do these things. So why are you busy with these things if you are already in the kingdom? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I think I used an example before, it's like if you take somebody from the street, a beggar from the street, how will you get him to change his begging life, his begging mentality, his actions of begging, going, thinking people are indebted to him, owing something, trying to get from them? You will first adopt him. You'll take him to your house. You'll show him his room. Then the first night, although he is your son, although it is his room, although it's his radio there on the cupboard, he will steal his radio and go and sell it. Because he does not believe. <laughs> he just thinks this is a crazy old man. 
you know, and his mentality is still, I am a beggar. And then you'll go to the street where he is, you'll pick him up there, you'll bring him back, you'll take the papers, you will go to the lawyer, you will show, listen, if I die, you inherit all these things. You are legally the, uh, the, the, the heir of all these things. It belongs to you. You cannot steal it. It is yours. And as he believes that, if he believes that, you find the power of that adoption living in him. You'll find the power of the owner, the first owner, the father, living in that adopted son. And he will live like the owner. For he believes what the owner believes. He will not go and sell the thing in the street to get money for drugs. Because he knows this is his. And as we believe that, we find that that manifests in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That's what he came to give us, that freedom. And if we can grasp that freedom, I tell you, the church can walk in a victory that you you cannot imagine. Glory to God. I want to end off with um, speaking on finances in Romans uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, talking about the grace of God. Now, we're talking about grace, the influence of God upon the heart, you know, how He works in our hearts, um, how His nature manifests in us. Listen to what Paul wrote here in Corinthians. He says, Moreover, brethren, I do to wit, now this is very difficult English, but I'll make it simple. Actually, I want to testify, I do to wit, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches in Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now, let let me explain that. He said, these people, I want to testify of the grace of God in their lives. There was two things I saw. We saw great joy and great liberality manifesting in them. If you read on, it talks about how they gave. They were poor. But grace came upon them when God's influence came into their heart and God was bearing His fruit in them. While they were in great poverty, they had joy. Okay, joy. We are taught by so so many, by the law system, you cannot have joy if you're poor, for you're under the curse. That is a lie. That is a lie. Now, I do, I mean, I I live a, a, a... if, if many people look at my life, they will say badly. The average guy in the world, if he looks at my life, he will say badly, you live a good life. And I do live a good life. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I've got my house. I rent the house next door. It's, I've got two cars. I can, you know, I can put petrol in the car. I can, I can live a, a normal, average life. You know? And what they, I think they say the average income per person in the world is something like 16 rand a day. So if you're more than that, you're above average. So I live far above average life. So most of the people in the world will see me as prosperous. Okay? So I think they say only 7% of people own houses. 7% of people on the planet owns a house which he paid, which is his house. 
So if you're in that bracket, you're of the 7% of the richest. They say 7%, in that 7%, own a car and a microwave. Now just think for yourself. Man. So if I look at my life, I, I, I live a good life. But what I do believe that the first thing the poor needs to hear is the true gospel. So that they, in their poverty, can be happy. Because a happy person makes much better decisions, has got, got much more energy around him to do business. But if you sit in poverty thinking the government owes you everything, you'll stay poor, man. I wish I was a black man now to preach to. You know, that I, so it's not just from a white guy. You know, people watching in, in South Africa all over the world, I'm not a racist. All I want to say is this, even if people are poor, what will set them free is not the government being indebted to them. It's the gospel that gives them joy in their poverty. And a joyous person is creative and he can do something. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So here he says, I want to testify of the grace of God. God's grace upon the poor there was for that poor person in his state of poverty to be happy. And they were happy to the point that they gave out of their poverty. My goodness. That is the effect of grace. Imagine, and, and I want to use this just to explain, because when we talk to finances, sometimes it's close to our hearts and we understand the thing. If you have nothing, you are poor. You're struggling. To the point that the Apostle Paul did not, they did not want to take the stuff. They begged the Apostle Paul to take money. Let's, let's just read on there. Verse 3. It says, For to their power I bear record, yes, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So he says here, we didn't even come and hope for this. We didn't even come and expect this from these poor people. But when we came there, we saw the grace of God. The grace of God gave them joy. I want to tell you, if you go through financial difficulty, you've got a right by the resurrection of Jesus to be happy in the midst of that. You've got a right to be happy even if you don't get the business deal you think you must have. You've got a right to be happy even if everybody thinks you're just lazy and you don't want to work and you don't want to... You've got a right in that to be happy, not, by, not authorized by your circumstances, but authorized by the resurrected Jesus. That's my authority to have joy right there. I don't have to go and sit there and try and be somber and try and say, well, you know, this thing didn't go through, so I make a decision of my will to, be, to, to look uh, irritated now. No, no, no. <laughs> You've got a right by the resurrected Jesus to be happy there. That's what the Bible says. When His grace, when what He's done influences your belief, you will find joy. If you don't find joy, sit under the gospel of grace. Don't decide to be, try and be happy. Sit under the gospel of grace until the truth about your life brings forth that joy. And then He even says that they begged. These poor churches begged the apostles to take, the man, to take money from them. To give to the poor churches. 
Now they were already, they were supposed to receive money. <laughs> now this was for Jerusalem and all that. We, we, we know that there were poor churches. There was an offering taken up for them. This was instigated by the church in Corinth. Corinth was a rich people. They knew the grace of God. They, they were influenced in their heart to do good business. They were prosperous in their money. They, they, they knew how to uh, receive from God. They, they, they knew that. They knew that influence in their belief to do good business. They, they had that. Then they, out of that abundance, they made a promise. They said, we promise that we're going to give to the poor churches. Then when this word of being a giver came to the ears of the churches of Macedonia, the grace of God inside them says, we want to give as well. Then Paul was sitting in the situation, well, you know, this poor church has already given. They begged us. We've got what they've given. And now the church in Corinth that's rich has promised a year ago and still haven't given a cent. And now we're on our way to collect what they promised, but we know there's nothing. And these Macedonians that's poor, they're going to come with us. So now the poor, on the word of these rich people in Corinth, has given, the grace of God came upon them to give to the poor, and now they're going to go to the rich, and then the rich has given nothing. Then Paul comes and he corrects them, and he says to them, I pray that you may abound in this grace. What grace? The grace of being so liberated that you can also be prosperous in the bearing fruit of giving. Hallelujah. So I, I'm not saying this to get money from people. I'm with an honest heart teaching this so that people can see how the fruit works. We don't have to forever be bound by fear. We can be a free people. We don't have... If I still fear when it comes to money all the time, listen, man, don't say don't my ears Because... For how many years? I mean, the gospel says God provides, and I've seen Him provide for the last 30 years. In the last 15 years in ministry, I've seen Him provide miraculously every month. There's no reason to doubt anymore. It's like Andrew Womack says, you will need somebody to help you to misunderstand it. You'll need somebody to help you to be deceived and to fear. But here we can see the gospel you know, and its effect in our lives. And, and when we experience this fruit coming in our lives, if generosity comes to our heart, we are generous. Hallelujah. I want to just say in my, in my life, I've, I'm experiencing as I'm preaching these messages and as I meditate upon this, really the life of God in, in the manifestation area, not just in the inner peace, you know. It, this, is, this is one thing the Bible says, the wisdom that comes from above is first peaceable. The first thing that happens to people when they hear the gospel, they find that peace. God's not angry with me. God loves me. And then you find God bearing His fruit. And this I say not to get you to try and bear fruit. I'm saying this so that you can know who you are, how God works, and what God does in our lives. And what we can expect and have a confident hope for in our lives. Christ Jesus has liberated us unto the manifestation of God's life in our lives. I end off with this verse. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore no condemnation 
to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh or the law, but after the Spirit. That word condemnation there is the verdict. It talks about not God condemning you. It talks about, now listen, this is going to bless you. That word, there's no more condemnation. That word condemnation does not talk about God condemning you. It talks about, uh, uh, a condemn means to rule against. There's no more ruling against you for those who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Meaning, when we were walking after the flesh, there is a ruling against us. And that's what Paul explained in chapter 7. He said, even when I was in Christ, when I walked after the law, I found sin rising in my heart. Why? Because the good I wanted to do, the, the, this law ruled against that and wouldn't allow that. So when we are in Christ, we are not anymore under the law that rules against us and stops the life of God to flow through us. But when we are in Christ, then, he, then we have been set free from that condemnation. For the Bible says, for Christ condemned sin in the flesh when He came. He ruled against the flesh. So flesh comes and says, I want to say this person cannot do anything good. Then Christ came, became a human being and got a verdict. He ruled against the flesh and said to the flesh, flesh, you are not the Lord of this person's life anymore. Uh, he is in me now. When we are in Christ and walk after what He's done, meaning we believe, we rest our minds in what He's done, then we find Him bearing His fruit in us. And we don't walk under the condemnation of, you cannot. We walk under the life of, He lives in me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The life, a victorious life. You don't forever have to be depressed. You don't forever have to struggle with, I, I, I can never do anything. You never have to walk in the condemnation that people put upon you. You can have joy right now. You don't have to be suppressed by your circumstances. I mean, listen, it's enough, it, it's difficult enough to be maybe sick or ill or something. To even now be condemned by it. You know, even feel guilty for being sick. Imagine you've got depression. Now you even feel guilty because you've got depression. Now you even feel God's got something against you because you're depressed. And that's what most people with depression live with. If they can just know that God's not angry with them, it's already much better. It's already the way out. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your gospel. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your liberty. Thank you, Lord, as people go out today and just celebrate this Mother's Day, go to restaurants, whatever they're going to do. I thank you, Lord, that they can be mindful of what you've done. And thank you, Lord, that your word says we yield our members as instruments of righteousness. Thank you, Lord, my body is an instrument used by the good thing you've done in this life. Thank you, Lord, that we are not to try and bear fruit, but, we, but the word bears its fruit in us. Thank you, Lord, that that fruit is even then written behind our names and we are rewarded with that. But it's all you. We give you the glory, my God. It's only God who could think of such a master salvation plan. 
that does not involve the willpower of a man, but where God is all in all. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. I, I just feel in my heart I want to pray for people via the web. You know, that if, if you're ill, um, if you've got some sickness, some disease in your body, I would like to stretch forth my hand and just pray for you. Um, and all of us here together, let's agree with the people watching. <clears throat> Father, I thank you that we can know that you did bring healing, you did bring deliverance for people. I want to just stretch forth my hands towards people that are struggling with sickness and disease in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that the dictatorship of sickness and disease and the manifestation of death in your life has ended through the resurrected Jesus. I speak healing over your body. I end every growth of every cancer cell in the name of Jesus over your life. In the name of Jesus, you are healed. People that struggle to walk, people that struggle to hear, see, I declare the healing of God over your life. You are set free. You are delivered. You are the free of God. And, I, and God is bearing His fruit of healing the sick through me right now and you are healed and set free. And I just declare that same truth true over every person sitting here today. You are healed. You are set free. You are delivered. You, you, it's unfair for you to have that sickness and disease. You are healed. You are set free in Jesus' mighty name. You are the righteousness of God. And His equitable deed manifests in you by His resurrection power. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. God bless you guys. If you are interested in missions, I've got an opportunity for you to get involved in. Maybe you have listened to the vision that I have for Zambia, where I want to start and build a mission station in Western Zambia. Now, I want to say this again. This is only for those that are interested in missions, interested in seeing people's lives, people that has never heard the gospel, uh, hear the gospel. I know, and the Bible clearly states that there's different gifts in the body of Christ. There's just different people with different passions. So if this is not for you, I understand that, but it might be for you. If you want to get involved in missions, be it in going out on a mission trip with me to Western Zambia or getting involved financially in giving towards the mission station that I want to build, I want to advise you to go to our homepage and just to click on my vision for Zambia on the homepage of this website and just see what I've got to say about the Zambia vision and you can jump in and get involved there. I also want to thank those that's already said, man, I'm in this and that has already started to give financially towards the building of a mission station in Western Zambia. Man, just in short, maybe you, um, you haven't watched this at all. We are planning to build a mission station. We got uh, money for land. We got uh, money to put a, a water well there. Um, some people already getting involved in getting vehicles. So this is really awesome and exciting. And I call the name of this mission station the Grace Stronghold because we will be the only people in that area of Zambia preaching the grace message, preaching the unconditional love in areas where nobody has ever gone before. That's a passion in my heart, and if you share in the same passion, I want to just um, ask you that we can work together and see those people receive the gospel of grace and see how a grace stronghold is formed. Thank you so much and God bless you.